0: Do you check your phone first thing in the morning or last thing in the night? Do you feel your screens are in control of you? Do you feel that your screen time has exponentially increased? Have you heard of misinformation and believed it to be true? Look Up, Not Down is a podcast where we talk about how you can lead a healthy relationship with your technology. Join us on our journey with several youth experts and advocates to cover domains like Digital Overload, Fake News, Mindfulness, Ethical Technology, Technology for Good and much more. Thanks for joining in and we hope you like the podcast.
1: Hello and welcome of Look Up India's podcast, Look Up, Not Down, a podcast where we talk about how you can lead a healthy relationship with technology. Look Up India is a youth for youth initiative sparked by lookup.live a non-profit organization working towards providing opportunities for all to develop a healthy tech life balance. Our guest today is Rainer Angelo. He's a student of actuarial sciences and a working professional. Rainer has been very active in advocating digital wellness in his life and plans to expand that into his workplace and those around him. He is actively working on a series of free sessions to get the ball rolling. Well, it's worth noting That he sees digital wellness as a piece of a bigger picture that aids overall well-being so let's get straight into a conversation with him reena tell us about the experiences or challenges which made you passionate about digital well-being and mental health how did you feel about it your experiences everything
0: hey yeah so thanks for having me first of all i think it's an honor to be on this podcast and going back to digital wellness and mindfulness, uh, it's actually a pretty long story. And I think it's going to be a long story even looking forward. Uh, I came across mindfulness and the whole digital well being by accident. And I, I know we kind of split these into two different pieces because they're glued to our screens most of the time. And, yes. you know, given I'm a working professional, I also have to split my screen time into two pieces, which is the work side and then there's a personal side. But by the end of the day, you realize that you feel pretty tired and sometimes you're so lost, you don't even know what you've done during the day. I mean, you'll know about it at work because you'll have done something. But if you try to recall every incident, like what did you do maybe from three to four? Were you in a meeting? Were you working on a project? Were you working with someone? you find it very hard to recall. So my primary goal was to just kind of be more intentional with what I was doing in life in general, but primarily towards things which had more value attached to it. Um, So what I just wanted to do in the beginning was um, not have my phone everywhere with me, which I think uh, I, I was one of those people who would have their phone when eating, when going out to meet someone, you know if I, if I wanted to wait for them, if they were late by five minutes, I'm just staring at my screen and scrolling through Instagram or whatsapp, texting someone and and end of the day, when you look back at the whole experience, uh, even at the end of the day, the last thing you look at is your phone and, and that's not a nice feeling to go with yes. so so that made me realize that okay, um, there's a lot of attachment to. phones and i'm not able to figure out why but that's when i started looking further into it and then i did some some reading some googling as we call it and uh, i did land up on common themes so if you google normally notice that most of the articles you find will highlight some common points and then given you can't just take everything for face value i started reading about them and that's when i came to realize that It's not about actually what you're doing with screen time or anything. It's about how mindful you are with it, right? So that's when I realized, okay, it's more about the lack of intention. That's uh, the underlying cause of it. So that's when I started growing more curious about all this. And then, yeah, that, that began my journey into figuring out what, why, and how to go about this whole thing.
1: Well, that actually is a very interesting and instigating story, you know, finding a deeper meaning with everything you are doing every day. That's, that's very interesting. So that makes me very curious for my second question. We do know that you keep a control over your screen time. You check your messages just a few times in a day. So what is your idea of a tech life balance and what all measures or steps do you take to inculcate it into your life?
0: So that's a good question and a tricky one. Um, Fortunately or unfortunately, the measures are very hard to generalize. Um, And the reason I'm using generalize is because as I say this, I just want people to who are listening to realize that it's not something you can just cut and paste into their lives because even I don't follow it rigidly every day. So, for example, let's say I, after a busy week of work want to touch up with friends because we are in a pandemic and, you know, we can't go out and meet people. So Saturday, for example, I have video calls. I cannot apply my rules of, let's say, 15 minutes of WhatsApp, 15 minutes of Instagram. So that's when I tell to myself, okay, today you have to use WhatsApp because you're going on a video call with friends. That's like a permissible thing because you know why you're using it. But let's say waking up in the morning and then looking at my phone, the moment I wake up and then just scrolling And let's say you wake up at six. And then by the time you realize time flies, and it's seven. That's something I wanted to avoid. So so what I started doing was, um, I started taking breaks, like once a week. So I started doing my Saturdays with no phone as I wake up, and no phone till the evening. And then I did that every alternate week. So I could just not be too heavy on myself. I just want to get in the habit of it. And then This is a pretty long step. It took me a few months. And in the pandemic, I had to be especially careful about everything that was happening for the sake of my own sanity. So that kind of propelled uh, this kind of structure. And I realized that this structure was helping me because I had other things to do. And my phone was not distracting me from doing those other things. So I tried keeping it into a more uh, habitual uh, structure, if, if I could put it that way, right? So let's say, instead of doing it every alternate week, I wanted to see how it would work if I did it maybe two days a week. Let's see the whole weekend, no phone, right? And I did it that way, and then I realized that, okay, this works for the weekend. But, but I had to keep in mind that these were the weekends I really had nothing planned because I wanted to just spend some time alone with myself, with my thoughts and mm-hmm. create a work that didn't require reaching out to people. So in, so in that sense, my structure has now become a daily limit of 15 minutes on WhatsApp, 15 minutes on Instagram. For the most, This has helped me reduce the scrolling. I think scrolling is the biggest thing I was trying to eliminate. So I I don't have my phone now with me when I eat. Um, I, I do have it if I'm watching a sitcom. So like if let's say I want to watch something, if I'm tired at the end of the day, I do watch it. So those rules have to be dependent on what your intention is. If I keep my no screen rule in such a situation, I'm not going to enjoy it. So I'm more prone to break those rules. So the rule has to be set in a way that you like the rule to the extent you'll obey it and you don't hate the rule to the extent that you want to not away. Right? So if I want to summarize how my current schedule is like, it's more or less no phone from the hour I wake up. I spend the first five minutes just, you know, I have to switch off my alarm and all that. Some people don't do that, but I'm still comfortable with my phone as an alarm. So there's that. Then I put uh, put a timer so that I cannot use my phone for a duration. And then I get on with my morning routine. So that's it. It's the first time my phone's off. And then as I go through the rest of the day, Because I have uh, an inbuilt limit on each app, so if you're using any of these apps, uh, well-being or screen time for iOS, they have something where you can put a limit. You can select the time per app or you can select the time per category of apps. Let's say, for example, if it's social media, you can say, put one hour of social media. And then it'll just ensure that when you're nearing one hour, it'll lock all social media apps on your phone. So I put 15 minutes on WhatsApp, 15 minutes on Instagram. And Instagram, for the most, I rarely need to use it for more than 15 minutes, so I'm fine. WhatsApp, it depends. If I have to respond to something and I'm midway through it, and if it's something I really have to, I cannot, I know when the person on the other end saying, hey, why do you leave the conversation on? I reply and then put something like, oh, it's, I'm not going to look at my phone today or it's time I have to sleep. And I do things like that. So that's how, how my phone structure is done. And this has helped zone down the average screen time to two hours in fact today morning you you get a summary every week so it's exactly two hours and this is with social media and everything out of which uh, one hour would be more or less the random time from chaining music or just switching between apps which are for you know non-social media purposes but yeah that's pretty much my routine
1: well, that was very thought provoking and awakening for me. Obviously, my key takeaways from this answer would be to use the daily limiting feature on every social media app so that we use the technology in the most mindful way. And obviously, spending the first 30 minutes or the first 60 minutes of waking up without a phone. I would like yes, to inc- definitely, definitely. Well, I would definitely try that with myself and see, you know, and I hope it works out well for me as it has worked out for you. So moving on to our third question, which is, I do want to know what do you do in your free time beyond tech? I know you are a working professional and obviously you will have to spend a lot of time on your laptop and everything. Right. But something which allows you to live a better life and have a deeper connect with yourself.
0: So that's, um, fortunately enough for me, there's two things I do and they're connected with each other. So mm-hmm. I read a lot. And I, I've started writing recently. So I read, and when I don't read, I write. And when I don't write, I read again. But this is something that normally happens only on the weekend. Now, given I, I'm pursuing actuarial science, the other unfortunate part of it is I do have to do a lot of studying. So I do have something else I have to dedicate time to, apart from work. So given I have to study a certain amount of hours during the weekend, I do have that mental commitment that I need to study. I cannot procrastinate on other things. So I normally do that. And apart from that, given a lot of people wouldn't be studying, the other things that I would be doing is I have one hour of fitness every day. And then sometimes, depending on depending if time permits or not, I spend some time in music, but that's relatively a smaller portion. It's the writing and reading which takes most of it
1: great obviously you know switching between reading and writing does help us all channelize our energy and our thought in a very positive way and obviously nothing can beat a one-hour good workout obviously even i do it it helps us be very physically and mentally at peace so my next question would be what is your idea of productive procrastination as you said that you know you just do not procrastinate much and sometimes it happens so i do want to know that And how do working professionals reduce uh, WhatsApp, Discord, et cetera, screen timing, when literally 50% of all resources and action plans are incubated and implemented there? I think even now, as in a pandemic, a lot of our study material and resources are updated on social media, and we do have to spend a lot of time on on our laptop, be it working professionals or students, and you being both, so yeah, how do you manage that?
0: So I think I'll take the first first one,
1: yes. um, which
0: is the productive procrastination. Yes. So yeah, procrastination is something I've more or less stopped beating myself over as a bad thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, even though it does delay you from the actual task at hand. What I normally try to do is first, let's say if it's just is the weekend. I think weekends are where we procrastinate the most because as a working professional, I can only procrastinate to a certain extent. Otherwise, you know, if work's not going in, people know. I'm not doing something. So that's easier to avoid. But on the weekends, the first thing I do is I, I open Google Calendar. Yeah, I know it's a screen, but end of the day does help reduce procrastination. And this is an intentional use of it. So the theme I'm trying to set up and I have set up personally is that if you use your tools with intention, you don't have to see them as distractions. And as long as they're not distractions, you don't have to worry about using them, you know, with blockers and thinking about screen time and all those things so I open google calendar and I just roughly put in what my plan is for the day and if I'm studying let's say four hours I just say okay four hours and I split the four hours into each single hour I don't just block four hours because four hours feels intimidating and to ensure I stick to the goal of four hours of study what I do is I put in something I would enjoy in between that does not include the phone that includes maybe let's say you want to watch one episode of show you like or you want to watch a movie in the afternoon if you do two hours in the morning. Let's say you want, to, you want to listen to music, you want to paint, you want to write, you can even slot in your workout in between. So this is what I do. And if I don't feel like studying, what I do is I put in an online course, which is helpful. When in my case, I'm currently studying art programming, so I know it's useful. So I slot in like 30 minutes over there. So I don't feel guilty as such, but it's still procrastination from my actual studying. So that, that's one of the ways the productive procrastination happens. But it's not the end of the world because I still don't feel bad about the time I've spent. So let's say study one hour, let's say 30 minutes hour program, then take a break. And in the break, normally, you know, it's doing something that would help you as opposed to looking at your phone. So let's say you can read a book for 30 minutes and then you can come back to studying. So in two hours, you're doing one hour studying, you're doing 30 minutes of an online course and you're doing 30 minutes of reading. So you might have procrastinated to the next hour, but at the end of the day, you still feel fulfilled as opposed to how you would feel if you looked at your phone for Instagram or WhatsApp. Don't know if you've answered your question on productive procrastination, but
1: Yes. And I
0: hope that helps.
1: Definitely. I think leading a disciplined life and planning out everything does help us have that feeling of satisfaction at the end of the day, that we haven't wasted any hour. And um, the second part of the question was that how do working professionals uh, reduce WhatsApp and Discord timing when, you know, all the resources are out there on social media, media apps?
0: So this one's a bit tricky because (laughs) for me personally, WhatsApp is not a problem. We don't work a lot on WhatsApp, but I (laughs) I don't know that maybe people on the consulting front, for example, use their phones for work. What I I could say is, is something they could try. if they can effort to get another whatsapp just for work right this is a number you can use just for your colleagues and you don't give it to friends and family and you keep another one friends and family i know it's a lot of effort but sometimes people would go to certain lengths to reduce their addiction so it really depends on uh, multiple factors one is how bad is your addiction and the other Mm -hmm. thing is how difficult is it for you to you know, try to get rid of WhatsApp for my work. So if you're fine with your WhatsApp usage as a working professional, then it's okay. But if WhatsApp is harming your work and let, you don't need to use WhatsApp in your work, which is something like in my situation, it's, it's going to work that way, is that I don't need WhatsApp. So the easiest and the most effective trick I've seen in not using your phone when studying or working is you don't keep your phone in front of you. You don't have to hide it. You don't have to give it to your parents, nothing. Just keep it out of sight it's as simple as that. You can put any app, it doesn't help as much as this does. I keep my phone behind me. as like my table's in front, but my bed's like a few steps behind. So I keep my phone there. And as, as long as it's not in sight, I don't even care about where my phone is. And there is a paper which proves that I think a huge uh, chunk of your attention is deviated from even thinking about your phone as long as it's not in sight. Because... It acts as a cue point. So a cue point is something which triggers a disciplinary re- response from you just because you've seen that object. So when you see your phone, you just subconsciously want to open it and use it, even though you have no intention of using it. So not keeping your phone in your field of view is very helpful. And... Personally, not using WhatsApp has been easier for me after practice. Obviously, it takes a lot of time. So it's not going to work just immediately that people listen to this and say, oh, yeah, okay, I can do this. I keep my phone up. No. You have to do it in phases. So if you're saying you're using your phone for three hours a day on WhatsApp, you have to be a bit kind to yourself. You have to, first of all, not beat yourself up and say, oh, I'm using three hours. I'm an unproductive person. That's not a nice way to look at it because, one, it does not dictate whether you're a nice person or a bad person productive or unproductive person that's just how our phones are they are addictive you have to just accept that and then think okay three hours is fine let me try reducing it to two and a half and then you can you know start with the basic things do I need my phone when I'm having tea no do I need my phone when I'm in a meeting no instead of using a phone when you're on a meeting maybe pay attention to the person speaking if if you don't want to pay attention to the person speaking Well, that's a different issue altogether, but then you can still try something else. Maybe at least work on something else if you feel that you don't want to. Maybe the call is not adding value because working professionals can relate to this, but that's one way to do it. But looking at your phone, every time you want to be distracted, just reinforces that behavioral pattern where no matter what you do, the first thing you want to see is your phone when you're bored. I know it's a pretty lengthy answer, but I hope I made sense there. And I personally now don't use my phone in working. I use my spare phone. My spare mm-hmm. phone doesn't have WhatsApp, doesn't have Instagram, doesn't have anything, no Discord, whatsoever. Mm-hmm. And the battery life is so bad. If I do add any of these apps, it's going to crash. So I use that as my music player because I need, I need music personally in working. It's just background sounds. I mm-hmm. put that. Um, my other phone is just more or less somewhere. Like right now, it's under my pillow. So yeah, stuff like that. That, right. that works very well
1: that was a very good and incendiary answer to the question obviously the saying that out of sight and out of mind That's yes mine. definitely you know works with the mobile addiction as well and obviously each one of us can question and figure out what works for us the best so uh, how would you describe your interaction with technology although i know you lead a very disciplined and plan and sorted out life is there anything you would want to do differently
0: Anything I would want to do differently. I wish I could quit social media for good, like forever. Um, There's no denying that.
1: Well, uh, won't you be feeling the fear of missing out on your friends and their life updates and everything? That is a. Well, I have done it Mm -hmm.
0: earlier in the year. I Mm -hmm. unplugged for a whole month. Uh, Actually, I've written about it as well. But that was a very good experience in the sense that since I knew I wouldn't be looking at my phone, because I wanted, you know, I told myself no using social media. And the tricky bit was I had the apps on my phone. I didn't uninstall them. So it wasn't mentally in my head that I'm not using them. I just went to the flow of not using them. One month, it was brilliant. But when I Mm. went back, I also realized that, okay, I do miss um, people. I do miss talking to people. So the one thing that I did when I felt this after the first week was that I started calling my friends and asking Mm. them how they're doing. Because I had to be in touch with people. I didn't want to just ghost people randomly. So it's going back old school, right? Just because you don't have social media apps doesn't mean you can't connect with people. And I would do this, uh, let's say maybe I have an hour, I'm going for a walk. I would call a close friend of mine and talk to them, ask them how their week went. And this was more rewarding than an app because in apps, you rarely keep the conversation going people are not giving their whole attention to it. But when they're on a call, they're normally giving you attention. So it's a good conversation. You get a lot more. The conversation's more deep as well. And, you know, there's no distraction. There's no message popping up from someone else. There's no story popping up from somewhere. No notifications, peeping, nothing of the sort. So you just call a friend. Who are you missing? And that's when you also realize uh, the friends you really want to talk to. There's no algorithm telling you that hey check this person's profile or check this person's profile so that's one way to do it that's how i would i wish it was permanent but yeah end of the day i do have benefits from social media i cannot deny that as well so yeah i wish i could do it permanently but i have my reasons to not do it as well
1: Well, obviously you know life is a balance between learning to sustain and abstain from things That is pretty much how I'd like to sum this answer in a short line. (laughs) Enlighten us about your module of digital wellness that schools and organizations should work upon and start and start thinking about.
0: I think when it comes to schools and organizations and the first thing, well, if you're, uh, if you're taking the current situation, it's kind of a mutual line between the two, the number of meetings and calls, I think is too, too high. Because a lot of these calls can be cut down to simple emails. For example, if you want to explain on a set of instructions, you can just put it in a good bulleted mail and send it across. And ensure that people read it and respond to it. But I do see organizations sometimes resorting to, let's say, a one-hour meeting, and people are forced to change their schedule to accommodate this meeting. So these are common behavioral, uh, behavioral etiquette that people don't follow. And I think this is something that has to start because it's considered normal to not respect another person's time, especially on a digital platform. But it's the same as interrupting someone when they are at you, in your house. For example, if you see someone studying for an hour, you wouldn't just go and disturb them. You would assume that, okay, this person's gonna study, I'll talk to them, once Siddhan. done. But that doesn't work the same way when you're in a school or in an organization. I have seen friends of mine getting meeting requests late in the night, the like kids at nine saying, Tomorrow you have a meeting at so-and-so. And I've also seen kids getting classes scheduled the previous day saying you have class at 6.30, you have class at 7. That's not the right way to do it. It requires a certain sense of planning. So clearly that's lacking, but I understand it is the pandemic, but we also have a year of pandemic now. So I think schools and organizations should be having a sense of awareness, both to the organizers and to the people participating in it. And people shouldn't feel restricted to raise their voice so if someone wants to decline a meeting they should they should have the right to do it as long as they're doing it in the right manner and the organisers shouldn't take it as a bad thing either. You should respect that the person is not able to make it. I understand. And just move on with it. So that's uh, more on the meeting side of it. And the other thing schools and organisations can do is put an effort to understand and educate whoever they're working with and involved with on the same front. Educate people that They shouldn't be working beyond a certain time. And also, practice that, not just tell people don't work late, but end up giving them more work that they do end up working late anyway, because that's hypocritical, but at the same time, not proving your point. So, I think those two things are pretty important. And for schools, I think a curriculum is needed, but not a curriculum in the way that we have a new subject and exams, but more of a practical curriculum where people actually experience. Maybe mindfulness, maybe a session where people spend an hour without their phones, people are not made to look at screens, people are made to go out and enjoy things. So I remember when we were kids, we had, uh, we had physical education, but when we transcended higher into colleges, we didn't have that. So we never had an hour where we would not be doing something purely on our books or purely on our screens or looking at a presentation. I think that's one thing schools and colleges could get back. The other thing is they could also start introducing basic mindfulness practices. Let's say a three-hour meditation or just basic prompts like starting the class with a why. So let's say you have a class on, i take actual science. So let's say you have a class on statistics. Maybe start the chapter with why are we learning this chapter today? And why are we discussing this concept? There's something you can also apply when studying, but the mindfulness technique over there reinforces why you're participating in the activity in the first place. It sounds pretty cheesy in a way, I think. Some people would say that, oh, it sounds, corny, it sounds cheesy, but if you actually put that question before you sit down to do anything, or before you sit down for a class, or before you even sit down for a meeting, the the meeting always has an agenda, right? But when people vocally vocally stress on it, saying, oh, we have this meeting today because we want to discuss... A, B, and C of this project and how you would contribute to it. It makes a lot of difference as opposed to a person just saying, oh, this is what we did this is what we want to do, right? Um, Pretty lengthy ramble, but I hope there was some value added there.
1: Definitely, there was a lot of value added to the answer. And I do feel it's very relatable. Schools and colleges should be sensitive and sensible towards the people involved. We never know what is... situation with the person on the other side of the screen right so any call of action for our listeners including some tips on mindfulness tech life balance and deep work
0: yeah definitely um i don't want to keep it simple because Mm -hmm. end of the day every person is different and every everyone has a different situation Mm -hmm. so well, I can tell people that deep work is important or mindfulness is important. It really comes down to where you are at your current point in life. If you are someone who has uh, who who has no need to maintain a sense of mindfulness or you believe that you don't need to, uh, that's okay. What you could do is just keep things simple on the front that you understand what you're doing and why you're doing. Like this is being more intentional in what you do every day. It doesn't have to do with the screen time duration or you don't have to sit and close your eyes for 30 minutes or one hour. Everything starts with just the simple point of knowing why you're doing what you're doing, right? So that's that's for the most the most basic approach someone can take. But if I had to give a bit more detailed uh, a call for action, it would be that, just remember one thing is that everyone has a different point. If you feel your screen time is 11 hours, do not put an effort to bring it down to five hours or four hours. That you'd be um, It's its all baby steps. So keep in mind that you can bring your 11 down to 10 and a half and 10 and you know, nine and so forth and bring it down slowly over time. But the approach you would have to take to bringing down your screen time or being mindful, it doesn't come down to the activity of digital wellbeing. You can reverse it by saying, or rather finding something else you would enjoy more, right? Because the reason we use our phones and screens for the most as a distraction is because of the dopamine rush we get. And the apps are designed that way. And that's why we use them without knowing it. But, you know, the flow keeps going. So if you find an you find an activity that's more enjoyable, uh, better distraction in a nicer way, so let's say you like music or you like art, or you like, I think it really def- differs from person to person. If you can flip that approach from not using your screen to actually doing something else you really like, by default, you spend more time on the thing you like. And, and because you spend more time on the thing you like, you don't really think much about your screens anymore. So that's a nicer way to do it. And at the same time, you, you learn something new to do or you discover something new to do and as the the more you do that right the more connected you feel within with what you're actually doing
1: definitely.
0: and the phones just fade away over time it just happens you have to just trust in the process of being you know lost definitely. in your newfound love for the thing that you're doing
1: definitely i think it's absolutely okay to be slow as long as we know the answers to our questions and Finding out our true calling beyond our mobile phones is, is very important. Everything starts with the why of all the things we indulge into, right? So, yep,
0: I agree.
1: Yes, thank you so much, Rainer, for taking out the time to talk to us and share your emboldening and personal thoughts with us. I feel so motivated and encouraged to advocate the Digital Tech Life module into my life and I hope that all our listeners would feel so. Also people you can reach out to Raynor via his social media handles mentioned in our description below
0: Seems a bit ironic but thanks to me thank you for having me here